the cause and effect a podcast from the winnipeg foundation where we talk to people about the causes that they care about and the effect that it has on their lives my name is nolan bicknell every episode of because and effect ends with a series of questions that we call just because it's the same seven questions asked of every single one of our guests today's show is somewhat of a highlight episode showcasing some of the best answers to the just because questions and to kick things off we're going to show you an exclusive unreleased just because with mr ron mclean we were able to sit down with ron mclean at a fundraising dinner for the bruce oak recovery center earlier this year where ron co-hosted the event with jan arden For those who don't know, Bruce Oak lost his life to a battle with a heroin addiction many years ago, and the Oaks founded the Bruce Oak Recovery Center in his name. For those who don't know Ron McLean, he's a Canadian broadcasting icon, best known for his work on CBC's Hockey Night in Canada, as well as a part of their Olympics coverage all the way back since 1988. As I mentioned, we sat down uh, with Ron before the Bruce Oak Recovery Center fundraiser that was here in Winnipeg, and so much of the discussion revolved around Bruce's life and the Oaks family's journey, and how knowing people with an addiction has affected so many of us, including Ron himself. But we, we don't just talk about addiction and, and the Bruce Oak Recovery Center, we talk about Hockey Night in Canada, uh, Roger's hometown hockey, and, and Ron's monumental career, and, and so much more. Later on in the episode, we're going to share some of my other favorite Just Because segments with previous guests, including Scott Oak, who talked a lot about Bruce and and, uh, the Bruce Oak Recovery Center as well. But without further ado, here is Ron McLean, Just Because. Mr. Ron McLean, thank you for being a guest on the Because and Effect podcast. Really appreciate your time and happy to talk to you. Same. The first question, uh, so what is the cause that you are here to support tonight? Well, obviously, the Bruce Oak Treatment Center is an idea that uh, Ann and Scott and Darcy, Bruce's brother, came up with after Bruce succumbed to uh, his addiction issues. Uh, He just couldn't break the chains of addiction. And uh, as I was saying uh, to many people, Franco Day owns the Second Cup Coffee Shops, and he was on the streets in 1970. He was struggling with alcohol addiction. And he wrote a book, a memoir, about his trials and tribulations, and he said... uh, there's a picture of me from 1970. It's 10 years before I made my first million, 20 years before I was a father, and 30 years before I received the Order of Canada. And he was saved in 1970. He was actually saved a couple of times, but he said, if you go buy a panhandler, please give them money because it looks like you're enabling them to go buy a cheap bottle of red wine and carry on with their problem. But what you're doing is buying them time. And in Bruce's instance, uh, he fell through the cracks because there was no place to go. Uh, it always seems to be and cause and effect is a good sort of idea about this because we always think of everything being resolvable through the idea of causation. We identify the cause, we can fix it, but it's not like that. You need time. Uh, there's an energy about these things, uh, something beyond our, our thinking, our learning, uh, and that's why the treatment center is so important because it buys time, and time is, you know, it can run out on us all, and who's to know, right? But it's really important to find facilities that buy you time. Definitely huge. Um, you may not be an expert in the field of you know addictions and, and treatment and stuff, but if let's say money, politics, logistics were no issue at all, you could just snap your snap your fingers and, and something would happen. What would you do in support of this cause? Well, I, you know we've gathered friends. Uh, I think the the greatest thing for me is always consideration for the other. And when you come together as a group, we're all social animals, right? So I, I do believe holding an event like tonight's dinner, um, the groundbreaking uh, that Scott and Ann and Darcy will hold, uh, just those moments of community uh, more than anything are uh, what strengthens us through 
the last few years, whether it's Truth and Reconciliation, Idle No More, uh, I've seen two quantum leaps happening, uh, and they were important and had to happen because we had kind of a world of male domination and of militarism. And now we're uh, finally rediscovering the divine female in our leadership, and we're discovering the uh, equality in us all through, uh, you know, in Canada, we thought we were the two solitudes, having ignored the First Nations for how long? And it's not happening. So we can tap into that wisdom. We can tap into that sense of community. So that's what I would, you know, my, I've always said if a genie came and gave me one wish, I'd eradicate envy. But that's a different discussion. Um, I think for the sake of uh, activism, I would engage uh, community. It's made all the difference. And Idle No More was a good example. When you come together, power of, you know, as the, there was a Mike Murray, a relay coach for Team Canada at the 96 Olympics, used to say the power in each of us comes from all of us. Mm. So there, I think, yeah. just come together. The sum is greater than the parts. Of course, yeah, it, sure. it really truly is. So what, what are you th what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma that you come up across when people are kind of opposed to this situation? Well, in terms of building the facility, that's, uh, you know, as I said, I, I understand why we look out up for our backyard, but that is such a narrow scope. And you can't, you can't accelerate people's maturity. You know, if, if, if we're kind of base in our thinking and our primal needs are the only things that we're really worried about, that is the argument against building something that is for the greater good. There is no reason not to build it. Um, but I certainly respect, uh, you know, that we're all at different levels at different times of our thinking. The magnanimous us, the enlightened us, would obviously uh, just go full bore and uh, agree to be great uh, citizens, great uh, companions to people on this planet while we're on it together. Yeah, I, I just, you know, it, it's a complicated uh, kindness, as Miriam Taves would write. Education is so important, obviously, in that getting people to the point where they can be educated enough to understand the importance of the empathy part mm -hmm. of it, I would imagine. Well, I, I think, you know, uh, with mental health issues, right, um, Thank heavens we're moving past the stigma of, you know, you, you, uh, Robin Lehner, the goaltender for the New York Islanders, won an award at the NHL Awards for his admission, you know, that he was suffering from mental illness. Uh, and he said, I am sick, but I'm not weak. And it was just a little phrase, but it's an important phrase. And when you are sick, you need a hospital. You need a place to go. Um, you're not weak. You're not uh, not pulling your weight. Uh, you're sick. And, and that's, I just don't, think there's a you know it's like when I think about America right now um, again I'll, I'll support anybody's right to uh, to their own politics but I just think Alex de Tocqueville was right when he said America is great because it's good when it ceases to be good it will no longer be great so keep that goodness keep that very simple goodness and goodness is uh, doing something for your fellow citizen Absolutely. Uh, let's pivot a little bit. Uh, and a time in your personal life where you had to where you had to pivot because the plan wasn't really working, and you just needed to shift gears and, and switch things up a bit. Well, in a, in a roundabout way, when Rogers bought the NHL rights for uh, five billion dollars, and they installed George Strombolopoulos at host at Hockey Night in Canada, and I was kind of moved to a different show, which would be tantamount to I still was working. But it would be like going from the first line on an NHL team to the fourth line. Uh, and I actually looked forward to this. I, you know, it's kind of a strange thing because I'd done Hockey Night in Canada at that point for, I think, 27 years. It wasn't like I felt like I uh, had any proprietary right to be the host of Hockey Night in Canada. And I was quite excited for a new challenge. So 
that was one, you know, people often say, gee, Ron, you handled it well or you finessed it well, but I was just lucky to have been at a point where I thought it was great that they were trying new things and I might get to try new things. Um, Go on to the checking line a yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't mind the fourth line idea. I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, it's funny, Jan Arden's here. You can maybe ask her about this, but in her book, uh, Feeding Mother, My Mother, uh, she says, uh, for the longest time, I was uh, wanting to ride off into the sunset. I was chasing that sunset. I, I worked hard. I'd done well. I just felt overwhelmed and, you know, maybe I just had another drink and I shouldn't have. And I just needed that sunset, that quietude. Now she's uh, racing to the sunrise. And I, I don't know if I, I certainly am not there, but I, I loved that metaphor. And I, I think, you know, a few times in my career, I wouldn't say I got bitter or I got uh, ungrateful, but I did lose focus on what it is that I do and why it's nice to, to do what I do, which is just to help make people's day, right? It, it's a very good gift if you're in a vocation that could make someone's day. Doctors have it, teachers have it, certain of us have um, the lovely opportunity to just go out and make someone either entertained or educated or... so. I've had a few crossroads. I've had times when I was, I thought, going to walk away, and I think serendipity got me through. I, 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 I would like to tell you I figured it out, but I just happened to stay with it long enough that I survived those moments where I was on my way out. Perseverance. Yeah, except that it wasn't. It was a, it was like a fluke that I, mm. uh, you know, th as I said, I, I, George took hockey night in Canada. They gave me Rogers hometown hockey to do. And I stayed, right? I, I stayed in the loop and didn't kind of find myself on the outside sitting in a corner bar thinking, you know, they're all foolish. Why didn't they respect me? I didn't have that time to dwell and feel sorry for myself. I was lucky, just lucky. Some of my favorite memories growing up watching hockey every Saturday at Grandma's was the poetic intros that you've been, been known for for decades mm -hmm. now. Have you always been sort of a poetic, metaphorical, a no, lyrical thinker? No, I, I wasn't. Uh, my mother was, so mm. I probably come by some of it. Mine, I, it manifested in silly puns, which was a quick weapon to get out of the coach's corner, hopefully not going to jail. Uh, but as I grew older, I started to read, you know, and I think that's where the storytelling must have, like I can't spell because I wasn't a good reader as a child. Um, but eventually I began to read Kurt Vonnegut and great essayists like Joseph Epstein of Chicago and Louis H. Lapham of uh, New England um, to read books by Miriam Taves and to, to understand how to frame a, a story or to move it along even because I rambled. I, I'm rambling here, but when you sit back and think about it, you can usually edit and start to get it so that it moves. Pare it yeah. down a bit, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. And, and it's hard, right? I, each each Saturday night, I try to do a. I have forty seconds on camera at the start of the show, so I'm trying to weave a forty second story. Uh, but in a way, that's good because, as my first boss in radio said, "Be bright, be brief, be believable." But brief was a key. He, he said, "Ron, radio is different." He said, "People are driving, they're ironing, they're doing something, so they're kind of in and out, in and out, in and out to hold their attention or to give them something to latch onto." Better to do that's AM radio. Not a podcast. Podcast, hopefully you're, I, we have your undivided attention. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this kind of leads into my next question. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Not necessarily broadcasting-wise, but even in life. Well, broadcasting, it was uh, let your guest be the star. It was a man named Wayne Heinrich who used the radio pseudonym Wayne Barry, and he taught me. I had a kid phone in to win Red Deer Rustler Junior A hockey tickets to CKRD Radio in Red Deer, and I was the hip-hop DJ being glib with the guy. And Wayne got a hold of me, and he said, Ron, that was all right. It wasn't like it was horrible. But he said, you should have let that guy shine. He was good enough to listen to the station, good enough to pick up the phone and phone you, excited to go to a hockey game in town. Um, let him be the star. 
And I don't always do a great job of that, but you know, Don seems to have succeeded. <laughs> and I, I, I really, I'm so grateful that Wayne spoke up and said what he said, uh, because that's the truth of the matter. That is right back to uh, you know the altruism that you know we need in politics, we need in uh, life and ethics. Uh, it applies to our business, and if you can back off and let them shine, it's a good deal. Thank you, because I'm going to take that forward with me broadcasting yeah. in my career for sure. Yeah, I never feel like you need to. To steal it, the, the sure. spot, you will get the glare of a spotlight built by the two of you. Mm-hmm. A couple more questions, uh, sort of in the same vein. What advice would you give your ten-year-old self if you could speak to him right now? Well, I had severe anxiety issues, so I would try to teach myself to get out of myself quicker. I, I, I took a long time not to take myself seriously. Uh, I, I felt, you know, I guess we all kind of are born to wanting to do a good job. You know, that that work ethic idea again, your cause and effect, right? So. We, we have rationalized or reasoned that if I work hard, I am entitled to X. Uh, but it doesn't work that way. There are so many levers that you don't control. And uh, I would have quickly got out of myself and how I'm looking or sounding or being and got more uh, into how is the person I'm presenting to feeling. Are they, are they feeling like they're escaping for a minute? Are they feeling like they're learning for a moment? Um, just concentrate fully and wholly on the person I'm working with as opposed to myself. And that took me, I was an only child, maybe I was spoiled, I don't know, but I definitely, it caused me a lot of anxiety in my early career. For sure. Last question. It's kind of a big one. Uh, what do you want to be remembered for? Don't want to be remembered for much. Uh, I don't like legacy, don't like pride. Um, don't control that, so don't much care. Um, but yeah, I, I just I just want to keep uh, being as nice as I can be to the person I'm with at the time I'm with them. Uh, and that's it. Beyond that, it's out of my hands. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah. Good luck tonight. Have fun. Yeah, that's uh, great. Enjoy meeting you. Thank you very much. Super. Thank you again for Ron McLean for talking to us. Uh, that was a very busy day with him hosting the uh, Bruce Oak Recovery Center fundraiser. And uh, Ron is obviously, as you just heard, very eloquent and quite poetic, even though he, uh, you know, maybe didn't start out that way. But it was one of the better interviewers I've ever done just because he was so honest and forthright and uh, because he's a great storyteller and always had a story to go along with almost every answer, which was really great to hear. And another man who did a similar thing was Scott Oak. Scott Oak, obviously a uh, seasoned broadcaster, just like Ron McLean, and our conversation holds a very special place in my heart because he was the very first episode of Because and Effect, so Scott will always hold that spot, and it was a, a great way to kind of kick off this whole project, this whole endeavor. Um, just like Ron, he's he's he knows how to tell a captivating story, and almost every question that I asked in the Just Because segment to Scott uh, sort of inspired a story and he kind of broke off on a tangent but it was always something relevant and something interesting and something uh, really great so uh for the from the very first episode of because and effect originally airing april 23rd 2019 here is scott oak just because well at the end of our time together we have a little, well, I'm hoping this becomes a weekly segment, but it's called Just Because, where I'm going to ask you seven quick questions. I don't want you to think about it too much, but just answer off the top of your head and, and we'll see what we can get you out of You want short answers here? I don't know. Because you what, may be looking at the wrong guy. No, that's that. okay. I, hey, I, could listen. <laughs> I, think, I think we already have the proof of that. We can chat all day if we want. <laughs> yep. Whatever, whatever pops into your mind, however you want to answer it, mm-hmm. go for that. Uh, so question one, what is the first cause that you remember caring about even as a child? 
Well, again, that's going to require some historical context. Please. Uh, thankfully, there's no time limit on this podcast, but um, in our family, there were five children. I'm the second uh, firstborn um, son of my parents uh, was Bruce, Bruce Sr. He, oh, cool. Bruce is uh, the man for whom our late son Bruce is named. Uh, Bruce was born in 1952 with spina bifida. Um, at a time when those who were stricken with it as seriously as he was didn't live very long. In fact, my parents were told by a couple of doctors to take him home, make him comfortable, and let him pass peacefully away. But um, they found a doctor after, I think, about 14 months of searching. They found a doctor who performed the operation to close the opening in his uh, spinal column. And he lived for uh, 33 years. Wow. Um, as it turned out, Bruce was heaven sent to us because uh, he was compassionate and he taught us a lot of things. And I think compassion was the number one thing that he taught us. Um, he was a brilliant guy, but uh, smart enough that when he was in university, he applied for a grant from the federal government to work with uh, mentally handicapped, or I should say, I think the correct term now is intellectually disabled, um, young men and women, children, huh. young men and women. Uh, who had nothing, we were living in Newfoundland at the time, who had nothing going in their lives. And he got the grant and suddenly had a booming operation that employed about 12 people. As a university student? Yeah. Or, wow, yeah. good for yeah. him. Brilliant. Um, so he was that kind of guy and he passed that compassion on to us. So I, that would be, I suppose, yeah. the first cause that uh, I uh, can recall being devoted to. But, um, you know, Bruce's journey, our son Bruce's journey, uh, has has taught us that um, you know this can happen to anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're uh, Anne and I and Darcy are uh, whenever we encounter somebody on the street who's uh, you know asking for money, we can't go by them because um, you know that could be that could have been Bruce. Uh, we'd like to think he had a bigger safety net than that, but mm -hmm. uh, who knows? Maybe yeah. that could have been him. So I, we look at people like that and say that could be one of our children. That could be our son. It's somebody's uh, so, child, right? Yeah, someone's kid. Yeah, exactly. Somebody's kid. Uh, so um, that sense of compassion has endured in my life. And uh, it started with my brother, Bruce, and was heightened and uh, and strengthened by our son, Bruce. How many years older was your 13 brother? months older 13. than Oh, me. wow. Okay, yeah. so real close. Yeah, so we were very close. Cool. Actually, Bruce was, uh, I mentioned that he was brilliant. And I spent my life when he was alive trying to be like him. Yeah. And, uh, you know... He died when he was 33, uh, so that's, what, 30-odd years ago, and uh, I still uh, try to live up to his standards. Well, sounds like looks yeah. like you're doing a good job. Uh, second question, if money, politics, and logistics were no issue at all, what's the first thing you would do in support of your cause? Build a detox. Just, mm -hmm. yeah, get her going. Boy, uh, Ann and I often say if we ever win one of those giant lotteries, Lotto Max or Lotto 649, mm -hmm. not that we buy tickets except every week. Uh, <laughs> that, Maybe uh, this week. We would build a detox, which is step one to recovery mm -hmm. because um, people should know, and I, I think most do, but for those who don't, there's a big difference between detox and recovery. Detox gets you clean. You're not sober, but you're right. clean and ready for recovery. And so getting into detox is in itself in this province a major, major challenge. Lineups and, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So an addict who wakes up tomorrow morning and says, this is the day I changed my life, what do they do? They first, they try health sciences. They probably can't get in there. Uh, then they, you know, 
Maybe they can get into the Main Street project. Uh, the options are limited, for the sure. point I'm trying to make. Yeah. And, and the uh, need is we, so great. And the need is great. So um, our our greatest dream for this for our project is not just the recovery center, but detox to precede that. Mm-hmm. So that... Uh, you know, that first step can be taken. Yeah, first step can be taken and taken quickly. We talked about this a little bit, but question three, uh, what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about the cause that you care most that about? That addicts brought it on themselves and they should be left to their own devices. Yeah. And when an addict dies, that's too bad. It's their own fault. Um, that That is an enormous misunderstanding that we're working hard to correct. And so are a lot of other people. I think we've made some progress. I've had some person, you know, I've had that, definitely those thoughts creep in when I've had personal issues with friends and a f- couple of family members. I've been like, I've had those thoughts. Yeah. And it's, it's good to think that societally we're starting to move past it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Question four, how do you know when it's time to throw in the towel? Um... We don't because we never considered it. Uh, during this project itself, um, it seemed torturous at times. We survived at uh, the civic level, I think, eight separate votes uh, and, and won them all, which is why we're close to getting this place built. Uh, but we never, ever thought of giving up. We knew that it, uh, the cause was too great to do that. And uh, uh, so um, until or if, we give up and we're not going to. I, I wouldn't know the answer to the question. <laughs> we haven't seen that sign yet. Even though we heard some disparaging things and we were taken to task by a lot of people. Right. Um, it's part of it. We understand that. Uh, people don't uh, know what they don't know. And, it's mostly uh, it's mostly from ignorance yeah. too. So. And if they're ill-informed, and I think a lot of people were during this process, uh, then that's one of the results of it. But yeah. uh, never thought of giving up. For sure. Never. Uh, question number five, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, I would say that's something that, uh, I learned during, um, volunteered at Salon Mission for about 10 years. I haven't been there for the last, uh, five months or so because our, uh, foundation has just required so much attention, but I would make it a point of going there every week, sometimes twice a week, uh, if I could, um, just to pour juice and, uh, you know, interact with the patrons. I still see people. Uh, I can leave here today and see, probably see three or four that I've, you know, become friends with at Salom. I can't remember the score of a hockey game two minutes after it's over, uh, but I can remember the names of uh, a lot of patrons at uh, at Salom. I guess that means that I care more about that than I do about <laughs> hockey. Um, well, there's so many so games too, right? the lesson I learned there is that uh, there is a difference. This is an expression that I, I took out of time there and uh, a couple of books that I've read by people who are advocates for the homeless, the impoverished, and the disadvantaged. Um, there is a difference between entitlement and gratitude. Let me think about that. Entitlement robs you of your joy and compassion because you think you deserve this, mm-hmm. or I'm entitled to mm-hmm. that, or whatever, right? Gratitude is the, the, the beginning of the thought that there's enough for everyone and that it should be shared. In my personal case, um, you know, commentators can, especially in my job, can start to think, you know, well, I'm entitled to that, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, they, they have to uh, uh, give me a raise Where there's or whatever. Access to, but I'm not yeah. really entitled to anything more than doing a good enough job one week that they'll have me back the next. And I should be thankful that I have that opportunity. So um, I, uh, I guess I, I learned that uh, at, at Salome, and I've, uh, I think about that a lot. Question six, what advice would you give your 10-year-old self if you could talk to him right now? Um, have more patience than you do as you get older. 
we started this project from a very altruistic point of view. And uh, we, we often have thought, well, why it's the right thing to do. Why can't we just get it done? Right. But those votes I talked about yeah. and navigating the halls of the legislature and city all the hoops hall, that need and, to be jumped yeah, through the and... obstacles we've had to clear have, uh, have been a test of patience. I reiterate, we've never thought of quitting, but I just wish I had more patience so mm. that I could go with the flow of this seemingly interminable process uh, more easily. Part of, part of that might just be you didn't really know what you're getting into as far as eight. I wouldn't have assumed you'd need eight votes to get, you know, it's, mm. it's probably just a shock that there's so many hurdles to jump over to get what seemingly seems like such a good and rational mm. idea done. Last question. What do you want to be remembered for? Um, I guess the best thing you can say about anybody as in their death is, did he or she make a difference, a positive difference? Um, so I suppose that. But, you know, when I'm gone, it's not going to really matter. It'll be up to other people. I'm not really worried about how I'm going to be remembered. Gotcha. Now, I know this is the first podcast, but I'm going to break my rules and ask a couple bonus questions okay. because yeah. my dad's... Well, oh, do we have the time? Oh, we got plenty of time. <laughs> Rob, how are we for time? We're good? Oh, we got the thumbs up from Rob, so we're okay. Um, basically, I mean, my dad's been a hockey... He's got, he has one tattoo, and it's a Montreal Canadian symbol on his shoulder, so I would be remiss if I didn't talk hockey with you a little bit. I first, thought you, you wanted to bring up the topic of tattoos, which... Uh, oh, do you have any tattoos? I have be? none. Okay. My wife has one, because Darcy's covered in them. From, yeah, yeah, I've seen. I used to say to Darcy, he came home at the age of 17, he had the four suits of cards tattooed on uh, his each tricep. Oh, okay, cool. Both arms. Yeah. And I saw it and flipped out mm. because it was my house, my rules, right? right. You know, that well, my mom be. cried when she saw yeah. my first one. So, so that should be an international opera, right? My house, my rules. Yeah, it flies for sure. everywhere. For sure. And uh, he said that was all he was going to get. And uh, <laughs> then he came home with, I think he had some stars or something tattooed on his lower abdomen. And I said, my God, you are a couple of roses away from being a slot machine. <laughs> um, Great line. And I, I used to just decry him covering his uh, body with permanent ink mm -hmm. but it's part of his persona now That's and true. uh you know i i guess it's true as his mother often says you know you're an old fuddy-duddy you don't get kids today <laughs> and i don't because i often say to him you're gonna have those when you're my age mm -hmm. but they're part of his as i say part of his persona and they probably are one of the reasons he's making money so yeah um, I, uh, I've been proven wrong in the area of tats. Now I got your way off track. No, what no worries. Question? First question. <laughs> Talking hockey, who's your current favorite NHL player to interview and why is it Ryan Reeves? <laughs> Ryan grew up across the street <laughs> from us. Ryan's right between Bruce and Darcy in age. So he's best friend of both. Oh, cool. Darcy was actually best man at, uh, Ryan's wedding and I was the MC. There you go. Um, it's so, always magic when you yeah. two are together. It's Ryan pretty... has always been close to our family. He used to, when we would be having dinner, he would walk in and yell in his bathrobe. Uh, <laughs> he would yell, black man in the house. Oh, and, my. And walk out and get in the hot tub. <laughs> so he was just always around. And the boys were very, very close. We watched Ryan grow up. And you know, I, I knew from in a very early age he was going to be a superior athlete. He could have succeeded just as well in, in uh, football as he has in hockey. Uh, I remember uh, uh, one of those birthday parties where you take the kids to the go-kart track and yeah. you get to go on the trampolines and the go-karts oh, yeah. and there's a batting cage. And I think it might've been Darcy's birthday or perhaps Bruce's. I can't recall mm -hmm. which one, but, um, 
they, the kids went into the batting cage and most of them, you know, couldn't like 20 miles an hour. They were struggling to hit the ball. Ryan turned it up to 90 and he couldn't hit it fully, but he could get a tick of it. Still, yeah, yeah. And he has superior hand-eye coordination with the biggest feet in the world. When I would uh, sometimes come in the front door and I'd see these size 15 shoes, I'd say, who's in the house here? <laughs> uh, what man is in the house? And it was Ryan at the age of 13. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. No, I always lo love seeing Anyway, that. the answer to the question is we have, well, I have a lot of affection for Ryan. Mm -hmm. He's like a member of our family. And uh, I could be disingenuous and do the old, what do you have to do better in the third period yeah. interview with him? But um, I, I just couldn't do it. So we, you know, we, it's become we, a pretty, pretty yeah, well, popular, maybe getting a bit tired. We'll have to, no, uh, not at all. <laughs> all right. I'll take your advice. That's great. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot for the last question of our conversation here. Who is your pick to win the Stanley cup? I know you have to be impartial, but no one's going to hear this. It's a new podcast. Anyway. Yeah, you can right. just give me, well, maybe tell me who your mind thinks and then who your heart says too. I'm not going to pick anybody, okay. uh, but obviously, you know, in the East, you got to look at Tampa Bay. They've had a record-breaking season. Unreal. Uh, so I would pick them as a possible Stanley Cup finalist from the East. That's as far as that's, I'll go. That's a good choice. West, um, it's hard not to like the Calgary Flames. Yeah, that could be They've a resident sleeper. They've got it all going right now. They're yeah. playing well at just the right time. They have incredible depth. I know some people are concerned about their goaltending, but uh, Mike Smith has found his game again. And David Riddick is, I think Mike Smith will likely be the starting goaltender in the playoffs. But if it was to go... Uh, in a, an unfortunate direction from, for, uh, for Mike Smith, and they have David Riddick on the bench. And a lot of teams that have won the Stanley Cup have gone with two goaltenders throughout the, uh, the four rounds of the playoffs. So I like the Flames. I like the, the Tampa Lightning. Um, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Great answer. Yeah. Great conversation. Uh, thanks, Scott, for being here. We really, appreciate, we really appreciate your time for being guest number one on the Because and Effect podcast. Did, uh, did you actually record this or was this just, just Oh, I see the lines there. Rob's giving me the thumbs up. Okay, I think good. he got it. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Scott. We're out of tape. We're out of tape. Appreciate <laughs> okay. it. Okay. My pleasure. Always incredible insights from Scott Oak, an incredible man. Uh, I'm very grateful to hear him speak at any event. You know, he's hosted a few events here in Winnipeg as well that I've got to hear. And he's just such a pro, such a consummate professional and uh, loved his candid answers and very thankful to have him as the first guest on the podcast. The whole conversation was really great. So if you haven't heard that episode, please go back and listen because all pretty much every episode, you know, I would consider... A little bit timeless because the conversations are relevant to everyone you know if you see someone that you want to learn a little bit more about whether it's you know scott oak or anyone that we've had on the because and effect podcast please take the take the time to listen because i i truly believe that it'll, it'll be worth it i wanted to share one more just because segment uh because it's kind of stuck with me over the months and i think it's nice to revisit and highlight some of the answers uh from cynthia drabat she's the executive director of the north end women's center here in winnipeg and she's an incredible woman. Um, her personal story is really interesting, really inspirational. Uh, so if you haven't heard the full conversation between Cynthia and I, I do recommend going back and listening to it because uh, I walked away from the conversation inspired and, and energized and, and just kind of in awe of what she's done over her life and what she continues to do at the North End Women's Center. Um, so yeah, she, she actually told a great story about uh, one of her high school math teachers who whenever someone would fail a test would staple an application to be a hairdresser on their test uh, back in the day or a gas station attendant if it was a guy. So um, 
Cynthia told a great story about how she stood up to him and kind of called out his BS uh, back when she was in high school. And, and that is just one of many stories that really showcase Cynthia's incredible courage. Um, but for now, let's let's go to the Just Because segment from episode four, originally airing on May 14th, 2019. Here, here is Cynthia Drabat, Just Because. Um, at the end of every conversation we have, we have a little thing called Just Because, where we're, I'm going to ask you seven quick questions, okay. and uh, don't think about it too much, just kind of give whatever pops pops into your head. <clears throat> so the first one, what is the first cause that you remember caring about way back in the way back when you were uh, getting things stapled to your math test, or even before that? Well, you know, I think that that uh, example actually... Probably that was, the, that was the kicker. It would have been the first time I realized like that my cause was about fighting for people to be treated fairly, justly, and equally in some some way. Yeah. Um, because it was done to me and I saw it being done to other people. And it's interesting because when it's done to you, you feel it so oh, differently. Yeah. So that probably would have been my first deep 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 yeah. dive into that very yeah. cool um so if money politics logistics were no issue at all you had free reign you were the queen of the world yeah what's the first thing you would do in support of that cause um oh i wish that we could remove people's biases mm. about um other people yeah. and and i wish that we could want i wish that we could want to live more equally and respectfully and kindly with each other. And those might sound like simple words, but they're not. not I mean that with depth. I mean, um, you know, truly respecting each other and not making excuses. Like, you know, earlier in the podcast, you mentioned the piece about, you know, if, if someone was listening to this and rolling their eyes, mm -hmm. right? I wish we didn't roll just our eyes. Just check that moment. Right. Yeah, just, why am why I am rolling I my eyes? Yeah. Why am I reacting yeah. to that? Where did I get where, that belief? Yeah, where's yeah. that coming from for me? So I, if I could get people to, like, I just feel like we we wouldn't have half of the issues we have today if we were just more open to each other. Couldn't yeah. agree more. What's the biggest misunderstanding and or stigma surrounding this cause? Um, so, well, I mean, I think the cause around, you know, equality and maybe specifically for me with women, um, I think probably the biggest stigma is not understanding that there's a starting point, um, there's a continuum of where people are at and mm. where they started. Okay. And not understanding that some people, women, especially, um, and if we talk about indigenous women and women of color, um, trans women are start there. There's a different starting point right. than than mm. men, for example. Yeah. So I think if we could get people to understand that and remove the stigma, and maybe in this situation, I don't know if it's a stigma, but that everybody, everything is actually equal, and we have all these right. programs that we're all, we're help all humans. We're so all why humans. Can't we? We're yeah, all yeah, equal, yeah, yeah. and everything's set up equally, and there's so many things supporting people to be equal, but that's not. Not We're not the there case. yet. Yeah. That's not really the case. So if people could understand that. Yeah. This next question might, I think I kind of asked it before, but how do you know when it's time to throw in the towel? 
and just yeah. say, well, maybe let's frame it this way. How do you know when it's time to try something else mm -hmm. when, 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 a, when a treatment or whatever maybe isn't taking? Uh, you know, uh, I would say like for us at the center and for me uh, being there now for five years, we know when it's time to change because our community tells us. Mm. We're, 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 we've got um, people don't just come to us because we're their helpers. They come to engage in their healing. Right, so and maybe shape the he and how shape the healing it. looks. Absolutely. So we actually get people to evaluate all our programs and give us feedback, and we really, really gain that. We do that in a few different ways, and and then we look at that and we incorporate that. So to me, there's never a time to throw in the towel, but there is, it is, it is important to change change because the community is changing. It's a constant evolution. It's, it has to be. Yep. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? I don't know. I've had so many advice, so much advice given. Um, you know, maybe I'll tie this to my parents. My parents were business owners. And because of being entrepreneurial business owners, um, they always told, I remember I was a kid growing up in a bakery, right, Ooh. with them and helping behind the till from you know, the age of whatever to whatever, till 11 when they got out of that business. But they always used to talk about customer service and the customer being right and the value of treating the customer well. And so I think that when I think sometimes about my purpose in not-for-profit is that we always treat our participants well and that they they are right because mm -hmm. they're, it's their story. It's their story. experience. It's yeah. their experience. And I really, really bring that to this work. And so I think that that, it, that advice has become really helpful in this work. Yeah, I, I And think making so. sure that we, we don't um, discount the customer, <laughs> in right. quotes, yeah, yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. And for us, that's the participant experience. So if someone's coming in and saying um, they're not happy with how we're, what we're doing, we really need to think about why and mm -hmm. ask them why, yeah. as opposed to saying, well, sorry, this is just how it is. This is this how we've is been what, doing it for this, 20 years. Right. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, what yeah. it is. So like, I'm really a big fan of listening to what people are telling us and then responding. And not everybody has that way of working. So that becomes something that I really try to bring to anywhere that I work. For sure. Yeah. I've always said, uh, everyone in the world should work in either retail or serve right? as a server because to have that dynamic with another human being where you are literally there to be in service of that person yeah. for the hour or whatever yeah. it is, is such a humbling experience. And it, 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 it prepares you for every job moving forward. It does. Yeah. It does. And it's a really good connection. Yeah. Yeah. So take me back to when you're 11 years old behind the, behind the till. What advice would you give to that 11-year-old girl if you could talk to her right now? Oh, my. Um, well... Mm. that's a hard one, hey? Mm -hmm. And I find it really hard to think back to what we would give. I mean, I, I guess I would just say stick to, stick to, like, tell people what you need. Express uh, when you don't feel like you've been treated well, speak up. And I guess that's what I did in high school within my example, and I continue to do that. Um such a valuable skill for young women. Right. You know, just and, stick up for yourself. And stick up for other people. Yeah. yeah. Last question. What do you want to be remembered for? Mm -hmm. You know, I just want to be remembered for someone who 
Hmm. Someone who is open, um, who people could share anything with as far as their thoughts. So if, if people feel that I wasn't treating them well, I would want them to feel like they could talk to me about that. Um, someone who was kind, uh, someone who um, advocated for myself and other people, um, and someone who, like, made a difference in the world, but not, but not like in a weird way, like, <laughs> like just, just you know, contributed to the community, mm -hmm. I guess, right, to community and moving things forward and getting people probably t to be more curious and non-judgmental. That's what I'd say. Well, I will remember you for those things. I think you, you've probably made made that mark on hundreds if not thousands of people in your work um thank you for joining us on the podcast today and telling your story and just being here with us appreciate thank it thank you for having me nolan thank you again cynthia for um, talking to me being one of the first conversations i had on this podcast which was really great she was so open and, and candid and has like i mentioned before an incredible personal story so if you want to go revisit that please do or any of the episodes and if you want to subscribe to the podcast please do um, if you haven't subscribed yet please do so you can wherever you're listening to this right now spotify apple podcasts or anywhere you happen to be listening hit that subscribe button it helps us out and then you'll know when the next episode comes out because we are going to be back with brand new episodes in the new year of 20 2020 or 2020 how do you put that it's kind of crazy to say that out loud for the first time but yeah this kind of puts a wrap on this season of the cause and effect thank you very much again for listening and uh we'll see you in 2020 all music on the because and effect podcast was put was composed and produced by trenton burton you can hear his music by going to trentonburton.com and uh yeah trentonburton.com thanks again to trenton for production of all of the music on the show Another special thank you to Sonny Promolo, Robert Zirk, and Jeremy Morantz for all of your help over the first two seasons. You guys are being amazing. And special thank you to Bertine Schmitz for promotion and helping to market the podcast as well. Because and Effect is a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation. You can follow the foundation on social media by searching at WPGFDN on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram by searching at Nolan Bicknell. I want to wish you all a safe and happy holiday season. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. And remember, success is living well, laughing frequently, and loving often. Bye-bye.